Brazil heading to the polls at the end of this week and it's going to be a heavyweight match. The uh, left-wing former president, Lula da Silva, is going head-to-head with the current president, the Trump of the tropics, Jair Bolsonaro. And there are signs that we might see uh, Bolsonaro take another leaf from his American hero's playbook with one of those last-ditch power grabs if he loses the vote. To tell us more about these eventful elections, we're joined once more by the economist, marvellous Brazil correspondent, Sarah Maslin. Sarah's on the line from San Paulo. Welcome back, Sarah. You're going to be a very busy journalist in the weeks ahead. Indeed. I've been busy and will continue to be busy. It, it, it seems like during and even after the election, uh, seems like Bolsonaro is definitely planning something if he loses. So I think uh, none of us can really expect to have a break anytime soon. Sarah, how will this election work? Clearly, there could be more than one round of voting. Right. So the first round is on Sunday. And if neither of the leading candidates gets more than 50 percent of the vote, there'll be a runoff uh, a month later. What are the what are the polls suggesting right now? Well, Lula has been leading the polls this entire time, and and he's leading by, you know, up to 10 percent. It's not impossible that he could win in the first round, although that seems to be unlikely. If he wins in the first round, it will be much harder for Bolsonaro to do what all of us think he's going to do, which is, you know, claim that the that the voting system is fraudulent, that the polls were wrong. He's been saying this the whole time. You can't trust the electronic voting machines. Uh, and it really looks like he's preparing to claim that, you know, whatever happens, it, it, he was really the winner. But that'll be much harder if Lula wins in the first round. Well, as you pointed out previously, Brazil's electronic voting system is pretty well run. That's right. That's right. It's been used in, you know, many, many elections. There's never been any, you know, claim of fraud that's been proven to have any weight to it. And indeed, it was this voting system that, you know, gave Bolsonaro his victory four years ago by, you know, quite a lot. And so it's it's kind of strange that he's now saying that you can't trust this very system. We've seen modern elections get more and more expensive as uh, all the combatants spend oodles of money. Is that the case in Brazil? Is there lots of advertising, lots of promotion, lots of social media? Absolutely. And here in Brazil, you know, something that sort of changed recently is uh, the Supreme Court made it illegal for uh, corporate uh, donations, which has meant that actually the the response in Congress was to pass a law that increased the amount of of public money that goes toward campaigns. So the campaigns get this huge chunk, millions of reais to spend on their their campaigns from taxpayer money. They use that for TV, radio, ads every day, in addition to, you know, quite a lot on social media. And that's really Bolsonaro's strength is social media. He usually does better on Twitter and Facebook and and YouTube and so on than than Lula. So he hasn't been been banned from Twitter like his hero in Washington. <laughs> no, he hasn't. He hasn't. Um, 
Although, you know, like always, there's a, there's a whole lot of fake news. He's been, you know, he's been saying that his supporters have been saying that Lula would close churches, would turn Brazil into a communist country and get rid of private property. And, you know, that he's really kind of riding on this uh, good versus evil myth and, and painting Lula out as this this crazy leftist. I, I want to get back to that, uh, the sort of Christian zealotry in just a moment. But we should remember that he's a former army captain. Will he have the support of the military and, and the cops? Well, that's the big question here in Brazil, right? I mean, it looks like he's he's following the Trump playbook in planning to claim that something went wrong in the voting system, that there was fraud, that really he was the winner. Can't you see all these people coming out in support for him in his rallies? It's not possible that he couldn't win. Uh, but if he were to, you know, call his supporters into the streets, and and you get a situation like what happened in January sixth in the U.S., maybe uh, you know taking to the electoral tribunal, I- invading it, or or who knows? It's hard to predict exactly what um, angry people, you know, many of whom will have guns, because he's made it easier for Brazilians to own. Guns. Guns would do, but we don't know what the military and the cops would would do. Where, you know, everyone hopes that they would support democracy, but Brazil's only been a democracy since 1985. Well, that's that's very important to to emphasise, isn't it? It's a very young democracy. Indeed, indeed, and Bolsonaro has you know filled his government with a lot of military folk, um, and you know military always says that it's it's in favor of democracy but it also has insisted on being part of the you know the electoral tribunals uh, process of, of verifying the vote and has raised some questions and seemed to even even almost repeat what bolsonaro has been saying about the the system being vulnerable so some of us really are are wondering what their response will be if he claims that something is is fishy about the result LNL on RN, and we're talking to the economist Sarah Maslin about uh, Brazil's upcoming and uh, fraught elections. Let's look at more detail at each of the candidates. You recently spoke to uh, the contender. Tell me about his political history and what his current vision is for Brazil. Well, Lula, you know, of course, was president for uh, eight years during a really fruitful and and, and hopeful time for Brazil in, in the early 2000s. He benefited from a commodities boom, which really allowed him to put into practice his social policies, which brought, brought a lot of Brazilians out of poverty. He's kind of hoping that Brazilians remember that time and assume that that's what he would be like again. He said that he would reintroduce, um, you know, programs to give cash transfers to people and expand social housing schemes and do a big infrastructure program to provide jobs, which he sees as the sort of way to boost growth, which has been really quite stagnant in Brazil. The question is whether he can actually do that. Conditions are a lot harder now than they were in 2003, both in Brazil and in the world, you know, in general. But Sarah, we've got a look at the the paradox of his uh, time in power because uh, with all his noble intentions, his government was plagued by corruption scandals and he spent a, a year and a half in the slammer. 
that's also true. Lula's legacy was really tainted after he left office and prosecutors started investigating what here is known as Lava Jato or car wash. This massive corruption scheme involving Petrobras, the state oil firm, state companies, uh, private companies and uh, political parties, including his workers party and people very close to Lula. He himself was investigated for accepting bribes, was convicted and spent a year and a half in jail. Ultimately, the Supreme Court overturned his convictions on the grounds that partly that the judge who convicted him was biased and also a kind of technical but he was never, you know, officially. Uh, the evidence was never, you know, thrown out or, or, or said not to be valid. Um, so Lula claims he's innocent, but there, are, there are a lot of Brazilians who really, you know, still think that he was part of this corruption and uh, hasn't really. Um, you know, owned up to it. it. To me, he he basically said, we're sick of apologizing, but they've never really apologized for it. Well, of course, Bolsonaro is more of a known quantity to the outside world at this point. So let's get back to the religiosity you were mentioning earlier. He's putting himself up as a, a crusader for Christ, effectively, versus the devil. Yeah, and it's, you know, it's quite ironic because Bolsonaro, uh, before he became president, was this low-level federal deputy known for, you know, swearing and saying crude things about women. He talked about how he used his official apartment in Brasilia to, uh, you know, to host women. And, um, you know, then he becomes president and now has held himself up as this family man who is here to save Brazil from the the sort of the specter of of a, uh, the return of a, a communist leader who would, um, you know, turn Brazil into this big sin pool. Uh, you know, Bolsonaro is 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 hoping that this will really help him, especially with evangelicals, which is a big part of his base. He's also though trying to get. You know, the, the the poor people to vote for him by increasing um, cash transfers. He's passed all sorts of subsidies. He's really stretching the budget and putting Brazil in a, quite a difficult fiscal position in order to try and buy his way. It doesn't seem to be working, though. I think um, you know the real question for a lot of uh, of poor people in you know who, who who are a big share of the population here in Brazil is which of these two men, both of whom have been president, really have of their interests in mind. And it seems like right now what they're saying is it's Lula. Of course, the evangelical vote is as important in Brazil as it uh, is in the US. That's right. And one thing that, you know, that we don't know because there hasn't been a census since 2010 is exactly how many evangelicals there are. There are probably more than the, you know, 20, 20 and 21, 22, 23 percent that the census showed last time around. But um, if it's as much as a third, which some people are saying, then perhaps the polls are actually underestimating uh, Bolsonaro's, uh, uh, you know, Bolsonaro's percentage because there could be more evangelicals than, you know, than we're all taking into account. So that's a big unknown. Going back to another current election, and we're talking Italy, the surprising thing is not so much that a very, very right-wing woman is uh, looking like winning but that such, there was such a low voter turnout. What do you expect in Brazil? Are people busting to get to the ballot box? 
Well, you know, voting is is mandatory here in Brazil, so most people will vote. That said, we've seen increasing voter abstention in recent years. Uh, you know, I, I think in this case, it's going to be poor Brazilians who have to work, who find it hard to get to the voting booth. Um, most people are have really strong feelings about this election. When you when you ask people, you know, more people are decided on their vote a week from the election than, you know, than in most elections up until now. There's very few undecided voters. That said, people, you know, especially the poorest Brazilians may not be able to make it to the polls. So we may see that number kind of higher than we expect, which could have an impact on the result. The last time you and I talked, Brazil was smack bang in the middle of COVID and, uh, and people were really suffering as much in Brazil as anywhere else on earth. Can you tell us more about what the economic situation is in Brazil now and how that might play into the election? It feels like a really long time ago now, but yes, Brazil had a really rough time during the pandemic and it was made worse by Bolsonaro who, you know, took ages to buy vaccines and refused to take COVID seriously. That said, you know, the economy has done better this year than people expected it to, partly because of high commodity prices, which have benefited Brazil, partly because of these all of these subsidies and, and social spending that the president has done in the lead up to the election, which is sort of fueled consumption. Uh, however, inflation here is still really high and that affects the poorest Brazilians the most. And so, you know, even though perhaps GDP growth is going to be close to 2% or even, you know, slightly above 2%, poor people aren't feeling that. They're not feeling like, you know, suddenly their lives are, are a whole lot better. And so I think that, you know, that there's still a lot of, um, of kind of, of worry about what's going to happen to the economy going forward. Now, the outcome of this election also has global consequences because uh, Brazil, well, it's one of the world's biggest democracies. It's a major power in Latin America and and it controls over half of the Amazon. Indeed. So this is you know, been one of Bolsonaro's uh, weakest points in his presidency, the thing that has received the most criticism, especially internationally. He has basically allowed deforestation in the Amazon to skyrocket, uh, you know, and done very little about it because he sympathizes with a lot of the groups who are deforesting, the illegal miners and loggers and ranchers. Uh, Lula, on the other hand, when he was president, oversaw deforestation really kind of coming down because the government took seriously enforcement and trying to, you know, create systems, including with the international community donating money to to find ways of, of sort of sustainable development in the Amazon that doesn't that don't involve cutting down trees. And so I think, you know, one of the ways that we can measure these two candidates is also what each of them would mean for this huge uh, rainforest that is incre increasingly and extremely important in stopping climate change. And it's pretty clear that Lula comes out ahead. Okay, let's go back to the Trump of the tropics and imagine that he loses. But of course, like Trump, he's going to linger on, isn't he? He's still going to be a kingmaker. 
I think this is something that a lot of uh, people aren't really taking seriously enough. There's this sense that, oh, the Bolsonaro era you know, could be coming to an end. And, and for people who don't like Bolsonaro, that's a huge relief. However, I think we've seen in the U.S. how even out of the presidency, the Trump era has absolutely not ended. And I think the same thing could continue here, especially if Bolsonaro manages to convince a lot of his supporters that actually he was the real winner and that he's, you know, been the victim of a, a massive fraud. If there is a, a chunk of the Brazilian population, you know, 20 percent, 25 percent who believe that and, you know, tell their politicians that they believe that, that could mean both a, a very polarized society, but also a Congress that is hesitant to completely back Lula if they're worried about what you know their voters are thinking. And so I think it's gonna it's gonna be a kind of complicated scenario going forward, regardless of whether you know Bolsonaro tries to stay in power and 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 how far he gets on that mission. There are gonna be a lot of people who still see him as the, you know, the real leader of Brazil, and um, and Lula is going to really struggle to win those people over. Sarah Maslin, you'll have to come back soon and talk again. The voice of uh, Sarah Maslin, who is the Economist Brazil correspondent. Getting in touch with ABC RN is easy. Join the conversation live using the ABC Listen app's call and text features. <laughs> 